I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Okay, I'll say it. We're back. We're back. We're back, Christy Doran. We're not quite back. Come no, on. okay, we're not quite back. I won't. I won't say it. But it, what a great weekend it was for Australian rugby after a couple of lean weeks. It's funny because you look at it and you've only got two wins that have come out of the the, the weekend, and one of them was against the Sunwolves. But geez, those Brumbies over across the ditch in Hamilton were mighty impressive. 36, uh, sorry, 26-14 was the final score over there in Hamilton. Hadn't won there since 2007. Uh, they hadn't won in New Zealand since, what, 2014? 2014, yeah. So they really well and truly got that monkey off their back. Well, didn't they? And I don't know who would have thought that the Brumbies were going to win that. Clearly the Brumbies, every team goes into a game thinking that they can win. But Dan McKellar, you just looked at the, the smile of him with a minute to go when they had a, a scrum and he just knew that they were going to win that scrum. The Brumbies don't often get beaten there. And <laughs> and it was just great to see an Australian, an Australian side really satisfied. They certainly rolled up their sleeves and, and come away with a massive victory. How good was, so on that um, Dan McKellar smiling in the box moment, moment you could tell he was really pumped right you could tell he was really he was walking around the guys slapping him on the back and then he almost caught himself on television because he doesn't he's not an emotional guy Dan to the to the media uh, I've noticed and you almost caught he caught himself on camera I think looking at the monitors and and then was sort of you know a little bit introverted brought it back back in the, the smile went off his face for for just oh, a just second just a second until full as time he, there as was he the watched the, as he watched the the camera then cut back to the to the ground and then I reckon he was back into it big it, smiles a, a brilliant victory though that that first 40 minutes when you race out of the blocks and 19 what was it 19 nil and then 26 nil shortly after half time but it was pretty much the perfect uh, game from the Brumbies, um, Noel Alessio really controlled it at, at fly half, um, kept on running to the line, kept on getting a little bit of space and, and his offload to, to James Slipper, which was juggled and then Tom Banks scoring inside the first 10 minutes, that really set it up and the, and the tone of the game. Uh, they, were, they were winning the collision course, uh, the set piece they dominated and, and, and the Chiefs had to resort to basically kicking and trying to get some field, uh, some, to some territory, but they just couldn't get it. I think the, the the unsung heroes of that performance, I mean, the, the whole forward pack were brilliant, but that tight five, like I look at guys like Caden Neville, workhorse, Murray Douglas, workhorse, and then, of course, we know what that front row can do. Connell McInerney didn't look out of place at all, um, didn't miss a beat. Um, well, he, he, to... his, his breakdown penalty win with, what, nine minutes to go? Yep. was huge on his own try line. And, and if the Chiefs go over there, you back them, I think, to get a try in the last five, six minutes with the momentum, with the crowd, uh, with the idea that you know, the Brumbies only a week early conceded a try in the 83rd minute of the yeah. game to lose to the Highlanders. And, and Alan Alatoa spoke about the fact that when the going went tough, they went back and spoke to, about they didn't want to lose again to the New Zealand opposition with right at the uh, end of the game. So brilliant performance. Balance of the back row, Samu Valentini, Will Miller's starting. Like he's bulked up a little bit. I saw Paul Cully wrote about it um, this this weekend, um, and and I, I, I had to agree with him. Uh, Will Miller's bulked up, uh, and that balance just looks about right. They've got they've got pace, they've got venom at the breakdown, and they've got some um, some starch in defence as well. 
You look at Valentini, he that was, I think, his best performance of, of the season so far. He actually really got over the game line and, and made a bit of a dent, uh, and that's what you need from your six. Pete's arm with a bit of explosiveness. He's just a baller that like that has that winning mentality about him after the years spent at the Crusaders. Uh, and it was interesting. Simon Cron a few years ago had said, when he pulled him out of Northern Suburbs and said, if, if, if we can put a few kilos on this guy, he's going to be a really good player. I, I only think he's put on a couple since the Waratahs, but he's been in now Super Rugby for three years and he's, he's certainly looking like he's now a Super Rugby player. Um, but it was a good, very, very good performance. Uh, the Canes, sorry, the, the Chiefs were slightly off, but... Yeah, full credit to the Brumbies. They were brilliant. But they they had guys back in the team like Leonard Brown, Sam Kane was back, Aaron Cruden and Damien McKenzie yeah. in the side. So like they weren't against a weak chief side. No. Um but this is a chief side that have got all blacks across the park. Yeah, and coach by the British and Irish Lions coach, uh spent what twelve years or so at the at Wales. Um Iray Simone's return, I think, was a huge uh, bonus for the Brumbies. He, he's, he's a guy that's put on size, but now it just looks like he's got a bit more time up his sleeve and his decision-making is a lot better than what it has been in the past. But he, he missed the game against the Highlanders. They had to chuck in uh, an outside centre to, to play the inside centre for that week and, and it didn't quite click. I know that the weather conditions weren't brilliant in Canberra the week earlier, but that foil there between Simone getting the ball to the outside back, Solomon Carter... He showed his physical strength and presence out wide and got through so much work rate early on. Um, Tom Banks, 15, uh, really, like it's now starting to – he's putting so many back-to-back performances together, secure under the high ball, but he's elusive. He's a guy that's got spiders on him at the moment. I think he's starting to really press for that Wallabies 15 jersey. Haylet Petty, I think, might be slightly ahead of him at the moment, but it – but, but Banks is now, he's totally closed the gap on that 15 jersey stalk. And this is a good time for the Brumbies to have their buy as well, given the week that they just had. Mumps. Well, the mumps, mumps, the mumps really struck them the week earlier. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But they've still had guys in quarantine yeah. and, um, you know, now they'll be able to really shut things down at, <laughs> in Canberra and, uh, and send in the, the hazmat crews because, um, you know, they, they need to get that on, on top of that. Um, before they go to Japan to take on the Sunwolves, which again, like that's a, that's another, uh, you know, the way that the Sunwolves are playing at the moment, they're always different at a different team at home. But um, they go to Osaka after this week. Yeah, on the, on the Sunday, right. and then and then they come back and they've got the Waratahs, the Brumby, uh, the Blues away, and then go up to the Reds. So um, there's a couple of vict- uh, matches there that they can go. Let's. Let's bank that first month. Now let's put get a roll on. Absolutely, um, oh, I loved loved seeing that performance um, up there and in the Waikato. It was just one of the the great Aussie performances, you know, overseas. You got to say, and the Brumbies have done those. They've they've put together those sorts of performances on the road before as well. Yeah, and they've been close to to like in South Africa. They, they were very very good last year. They had a great win over the Stormers, and then just fell short in Argentina. But um, the the Brumbies that's that's a, that's a huge. You can't underestimate how big that one is. Winning over in New Zealand, and we'll get to the we'll get to it because the Reds. Well, later on when we speak about the Reds, they were clinical against the Sunwolves, and it's and it's interesting um, talking about when you're comparing players. 
the performances of someone against a Chiefs side, which was unbeaten at the time. <laughs> I was just going to say, your team of the week, you came over to me yesterday and said, would it be outrageous if I made my whole team of the week just the Brumbies? Well, I, your, your, yes. impre- your first impression was absolutely, um, which I found a little bit surprising. And, and ironically, speaking of Paul Kelly, we're giving him, we're pumping up his tyres massively, aren't we? But okay, Paul. In, in, in his five, five things that he learnt, he also had that very point, that discussion, that debate of, of where performances are assessed when it's up against a, a very good side as opposed to a, a pretty poor team. Um, and... I, I managed to make room for, for three reds in that in that 15. Uh, Henry Spate, Tate McDermott and Angus Blythe. But you could have easily gone all 15 of those Brumbies because they, they were excellent. Um, you did mention the Reds' performance up there at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, look, it's the first match there. They've probably had the, the hardest start to the Super Rugby season out of all the Aussie franchises on the road for three weeks, three losses, two bonus points, mind you. So for, for losing within seven points, but came home and completely dominated a poor Sunwolves team, it's got to say, but they, they actually put together the performance they've probably been looking for in this first couple of weeks. Yeah, didn't they? It was point-a-minute kind of stuff for the first half an hour, really, and um, it was good to see Liam Wright score First captain at um, first time he's captaining at Suncorp Stadium. Taniella Tupo in his 50th game, crashing over. So two tries in your first 10 minutes, and then that man Hunter Paisami, who we spoke about last week, uh, another brilliant line, another perfect line, where he crashes through a couple of cutout uh, a couple of cutout pass from Tate McDermott at, at halfback, and and Paisami just steamrolls over the top and scores, and they were 17 new after 15 minutes. So. Good performance, encouraging performance, a lot of work to go. And you, you can't. how do you compare it against the Sunwolves side? That was probably their worst performance that I've seen this year, one of their worst probably in their Ever, history. Ever, yeah, yeah. Um, two guys that I loved, I just loved what I saw from them. Tate McDermott, James O'Connor, 9 and 10. They're, they're putting together a bit of a combination. O'Connor... Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been critical in the past, um, you know, personally about his performances playing at 10, as we all have, I think. I think that was, that was pretty widely criticised, particularly when he played 10 against the British. And well, he's only played a couple of games there. Let's, yeah, uh, but, but uh, and, and to hear him speak afterwards as well, after the game, he, he crossed to the um, Clarky and Mardo and Tim and they had a long chat to James O'Connor about you know, how he's matured as a player. And we've spoken about it the last couple of weeks, but that performance um, certainly gave some people some things to think about. Oh, uh, yeah, it has. Uh, and uh, even three weeks ago, I wrote that I thought that Connor could be in the frame for the Wallabies jersey before he'd even played for the Reds there. But uh, I'd spoken to Sam Cordingley before Christmas and he said that that was something that they were considering. Uh, and hearing O'Connor speak after the game, he said that when he was at the World Cup, he didn't feel like he got enough ball, wanted to get more of it. So it's no surprise that he, I think that he's relishing this time at 10. And, and it's just the time that he has up his sleeve at the moment, which is impressive. But Hamish Stewart was very good at 12. His, his passing game has, has come on leaps and bounds. He's, he was grew up as a flanker. So he's not going to shirt any of the, the stuff in the middle and the defensive work. He's doing a, a really good job there uh, and looks like a pretty good foil for the other men around him. Yeah, they're, they're putting together um, a, a few combinations in that back line as well. I mean, I love Jock Campbell had his best game in a, in a yeah. Reds jersey. I thought from fullback was beating guys all over the place uh, and, and – 
the counter-attack that they've got. I think Jim Mackay is doing a really good job up there getting this attack rolling. Um, I think he's the brains behind that red side. Look, Thorne is passion. And he's he's, a, he's guy, a motivator. He's a motivator. He led by the front. The, he's got the respect of the entire team for his deeds across rugby league and rugby union. But it's Mackay's intellect, uh, the running lines that they're doing at the moment. That re- And it's now, what, his second season back at the Reds? Pretty hard to implement what you want in your first season, uh, especially when they're all year younger. They've, they've still got the, the youngest squad by a country mile in Super Rugby, but that plan is now starting to come to fruition. Jim Mackay was the attack coach back in 2011 when they won the title. We're going to talk to the defence coach, Matt Taylor, who's now signed to be the Wallabies defence coach a little bit later, um, which will be interesting to talk Looking to Looking forward him. to that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just, on, just on Brad Thorne, um, you know, and we're going to talk, talk to Harry Wilson shortly as well, but uh, that, that scrum in particular up front, it's, it's setting a great platform for, for McDermott and O'Connor to, to really dominate. You, you look at the, the – you're comparing that that Brumbies type five to the, the Reds type five and Dave Verney is just licking his lips because we saw in the first round that the Reds actually got the number on the Brumbies. Uh, the Brumbies fought their way back a little bit, but the Reds' front row outplayed them um, massively. So in a few weeks' time when the Brumbies go back up north, I think that's going to be – that could determine a few battles. And it's one of the reasons why I think – I said it a couple of weeks ago that I don't know if Alan Alakatoa – can be considered as a Wallabies captain because you've got Taniela Tupa, who's perhaps once in a generation tight head. So, but the other guy that I'm, I'm really liking at the moment and a guy that I think can come in to that Wallaby squad, maybe not this year, but going forward, he'll play a big role, is Angus Blythe. He is a bloke who's got mongrel written all over him. And he's one of those guys, he's a bit like Jaws out of James Bond, where <laughs> he's, he has that, that smile about him when he carries forward or he's cleaning out the, the, the breakdown. He just looks like he's a bloke that you wouldn't want to get anywhere near, I don't think. I tell you what, there's this just a group of humans amongst all the Aussie franchises at the moment that just look really coachable. Yep. And, and, and Dave Rennie and Matt Taylor and Scott Wisemantle and whoever that forwards coach becomes for the Wallabies, you, you said it before, that licking their lips, geez, they must think they've got a scorched peanut bar right in front of them right now. Well, and, it, and it's not a, like the Wallabies stocks have dropped pretty pretty low and so you're starting almost from a blank canvas. Um, the Wallabies come July are going to have to perform. You can't afford to lose another series to Ireland. Um, but... There's a lot of upside in this, these young players coming through and, and we saw that with someone like a Fraser uh, McWright on the weekend when he comes in, has an immediate impact. Uh, we saw Lockie Lonigan over at the Brumbies. Yeah, uh, oh, and you pointed it out play. yesterday, a couple of clutch plays in defence, ripping the ball, stealing the ball out of um, the Chiefs on the try line just from a, a line-out set-piece play. It that was, was his first involvement in Super Rugby, Lachlan Lonigan. He's, he's what, just... what do you think? It was probably 75th, 76th minute. So if yeah. you do yourself a favour, jump on to KO. Fast forward to that the last five, six minutes when Lockie Lonigan comes on, the former Junior Wallabies uh, hooker, and it was an outstanding play. And then he puts on a couple of big hits too so he's a, he's a, a young lean or well, he's going to put on a few kilos no doubt but he's a, another player that's coming through that has that winning mentality well it's probably a good time to bring in our first guest of uh this week and and he is another one of the young guns let's have a quick chat to harry wilson
Well, it's bloody fantastic to have Harry Wilson on the line. He's uh, a Reds, um, you know, youngster, but been playing in the blue and white of brothers yeah, for the more, last year. More importantly, you're, you're a brother's <laughs> man. That's right. That's right. Harry, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast, mate. You know, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, how did you pull up after the win over the Sunwolves? It must have been nice as a group to get that monkey off the back at that first win of the year. Yeah, all the boys were, I guess, super stoked with her. I guess the last three weeks have had a few tough losses, but yeah, just to get the wind, it's just in the after the game, everyone just was so excited. So it's pretty unreal to be in the sheds after the game. Yeah, let's continue on that. Uh, a win, firstly, uh, the monkey off the back. But how many of the boys actually knew the, the team song? Yeah, I know there's at least probably four or five of us who knew, and yeah, we definitely didn't know the words. So. I know today I've been uh, – they actually sent the words in the group chat, so I've been studying it up. So next time I'll, I'll definitely know all the words. <laughs> oh, he's hoping that you'll be singing it a few more times this season, mate. Um, yeah, definitely. The, 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 oh, there was actually a great photo on rugby.com.au, their Instagram, uh, of you with all your mates there around you after that game. Um, so being back at home, back at Suncorp Stadium, uh, how was that for you? Yeah, it was awesome. I guess the first three games all away and – yeah, I didn't know what it was going to be like playing at Suncorp and just before my mates and family there, it was pretty unreal. I could hear them all games screaming at me, so it was pretty funny to see them, see them after. They were in some fine form, that was for sure. Uh, Harry, looking from the outside in, three games away from Brisbane, never a good thing, but uh, it, was it almost a blessing in disguise in the sense that the team could actually get a little bit closer together? Because there are a lot of youngsters in there and, and I know that there's been no a no excuse policy that's going throughout the Reds, but good to actually have got away and, and now build a bit of momentum. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what we try to take from it, like a yeah, as much as positive as we could take from it. Because, yeah, I know coming back from the camp, we generally spent, I guess, two and a half weeks together. So... Yeah, coming back here, we're very close, tight-knit team now from that. And, yeah, just, I guess, the closer we come off the field, the better we'll play together. And I know that's definitely, yeah, off the field. We're getting as close as we can, that's for sure. How's Brad Thorne? I mean, for a young bloke like yourself to be to be sort of coached by a guy like Brad Thorne um, must be awesome. But, you know, on tour, does he does he kind of pull you aside occasionally and just give you a quiet word? What sort of coach is he when you're, you're out on the road for three weeks altogether? Yeah, he's kind of good in the way he like likes just having a one-on-one chat with you, I guess, because I know with my game, he's always giving me little tips. And I guess being a forward himself, it's it's awesome, I guess, to learn from him as much as you can. And uh, I guess different parts of my game I need to work on, which is, I guess, some of his uh, what he's really good at. So he would always just have a few one-on-one chats with us and, yeah, just give us a few tips and just, I guess, just keep being positive to us and just give us confidence for the weekends. Is he is he still busting it in the gym and getting in amongst you and, and doing the uh, what is it? I've never spent a day in the Throwing gym. Really. T- you should see Christy Doyle. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's sixty kilos ringing wet. He'd never seen a weight in his life. Thorny, on the other hand, what's he like in the gym? Uh, he actually did jump in on gym. Uh, I think it was Wednesday, and I'm, he has, with no warm up. I think his first uh, set was on about one hundred and twenty for bench, then got up to one hundred and sixty. Oh. So that was um, stronger. <laughs> Stronger than pretty much all of us could lift and no warm-up. That is seven <laughs> Christy Dorans. <laughs> all, right, Christy all right, Swaney, enough about that. But um, what kind of tips is he actually giving you around the field um, 
back at the the number eight position, it's hugely important, both line-outs, scrum, controlling it at the back of the scrum, particularly given the dominance that the Reds have showed uh, up front in that set piece? Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, it's extremely important, I guess, my role at the back of the scrum, where I know in the first few games I had the odd trouble there. But I guess it's probably just, yeah, with such a good scrum, I guess he's just told me to just keep working on, he always says work on your craft, which is, I guess, line-outs, number eight work. So I guess at training, whenever we got a spare five minutes, you're always pairing up with someone and doing that that type of work. And I guess just doing that, you feel so much more confident on the weekend with the number eight, like keeping the ball in and all that type of like little stuff, which not many people notice, but is so important to the team. Harry, you look like you're really enjoying yourself out there, mate. And and look, you've been playing some some great footy. Uh, who are some of the guys in the squad that you kind of you look to to kind of uh, you know as a, as a bit of a leader and and, uh, and and are you enjoying being around this group of guys in particular? Yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. I guess as a, it's a dream come true, and uh, just you kind of have to pinch yourself when you're playing with a few of the boys. Because I know in the forward pack. Uh, Nella, Teniella and uh, like Lucan, they're really good for me. They're always positive and I guess Lucan too as being a back rower, he's always giving me tips and just keeping me on my toes if, in a good way, always make sure I'm training up to standard. So it's been good that way. And then I guess in the back line, you've got a player like James O'Connor there. Like I just always chew his ear off because it's just the amount of, I guess, experience he has is, is awesome and just the little things he I guess what you're running lines, the type of tips he gives us is so valuable. So I've been loving, yeah, I guess getting to know those boys better and learning from them. Has has James taken the group and, and yourself by surprise? He's taken a lot of us in the media by surprise in the last couple of years, the way he's come back uh, and integrated himself back in the Australian rugby system. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess I didn't really know what to expect. I just, I guess, what everyone else expected, I thought, when I was coming here, but... Um, yeah, he's been awesome. He's just yeah, he's just one of the leaders in the team. Really leads the back line, and it's just good, I guess, for a forward having him just scream at you all day, and just and he makes you look better too. If you can just run a line, he kind of does all the work for you. So I know all the boys are loving running off him, and just yeah, I guess just having him around the team too in general. Mate, a bit about your background. So, I mean, you're pretty close um, with your brothers and your family. Um, and I, I got to meet them. I was lucky enough to meet them last year over in Argentina uh, when you played for the Aussie under-20s. They're big supporters of you? Yeah, yeah, they they were awesome to me, the amount of support. I know Dad and one of my brothers flew, flew down for my debut and uh, all of my family was at the game last night. So... They're always there. They're always, yeah, so positive to me. They're never, nothing's ever negative. It's always positive. And I guess, yeah, I really love to play for them because they've done so much for me along the way. And I guess they just love rugby too. So they just love being around it. And and there's a bit of a vibe around your group of under 20s that you played with last year, Um, you know, across the competition, really. Guys like Fraser McCright, who got on the field last night, which is awesome to see. And then, you know, you've got got Will Harrison and and Noah Lolaseo, you know, killing it as well. Um, Do you guys all stay in touch? Have you you sort of been, been chatting across the different franchises? Yeah, we actually have been quite a bit. We're all, I know, like me and Nasser were quite good mates with Carlo and uh, I guess Angus Bell. So we're always speaking to them. And yeah, it's, it's awesome to see how well they're all going. Like, said, Belly's a loose head prop, like making start in the boot last week. All of us were absolutely stoked for him. And, and obviously, Noah there being one of the better players in the competition. So it's pretty cool seeing, I guess, playing with them last year and just seeing them dominate like that. 
Harry, you, you're 20 years old, uh, more than six. What, what are you? Six foot, uh, six three, six four. What, nah, what it's is bigger it? than that, um, mate. Six six I maybe. Six four. Six, <laughs> five, six four. There you go. A bit of homework pays uh, pays off, Swaney. And and what? One hundred hundred and fifteen kilo or so. Uh, one twelve, but I'll claim one fifteen. We'll claim one fifteen. <laughs> what's a, what's a, what's the what's the food look like here for for the week? What are you powering down, and and how have you got to become the specimen you are at a, at a twenty year old? Oh. I guess I've got th- uh, two big brothers too, so mum and dad have always just put a lot of food on the table and we just eat it. I'm not much of a person sticking to a certain type of diet because mum will just put something on the table and it will definitely be eaten, that's for sure. We've, we've, we've heard stories of Taniela Tupo before just pairing through bread and carbs. Is, is, it, is it much the same or is it more meat in, uh, in uh, where you're from? Yeah, more meat. Well, not much of a pasta family. There'll be a steak or, at worst, chicken snitchel on the menu most nights. So, it's mate, great. Argentina last year must have been good for you with the the, the amount of steak and. Well, I was going to say Malbec. You guys send, probably send every schoolboy team to Argentina. <laughs> yeah, you oh, yeah, it would have been awesome. How good! No, uh, just steak, no salad. So yeah, me perfectly. <laughs> Um, the, the, the Sharks this week, as good as it is to celebrate a victory and a, and a massive win it was, what, one of the biggest victories since 2011, if not all time. Um, what was said in the in the dressing room afterwards by Thorne looking ahead to the Sharks this weekend? Yeah, well, I guess in the sheds we just try to take the positive out of the win, I guess a few weeks working hard for that result. But we know we can't just have yeah, one good win and go back to like the losing ways. So I know we didn't really talk much about Sharks. We're just trying to enjoy the win. But I know all the boys are super excited for this week because I guess the crowd was awesome last night. So I hope it's, uh, keep having good performances at home and just let it grow. One thing you will need to watch from the Sharks, I went and, and saw them in Ballarat and, mate, they've got an electric back three. Your guys' back line and back three in particular as well are looking pretty good at the moment. Um, that matchup will be tasty to watch. Yeah, it will be. That's probably been one of our biggest strengths of this year was our back three with the pace and just, I guess, line-bending carries. But, yeah, I've heard a lot about their back three, so I'll be interested to see them. But fuck our boys any day over them. <laughs> well, mate, uh, we wish you all the best against the Sharks and, and hope that you can continue the good form. And, uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Harry. Cheers, Cheers Yeah, great to chat to Harry Wilson, a young fella who has a really good head on his shoulders by the looks of things. A pretty good body too, mind you. (laughs) (laughs) Big shoulders too, yeah. (laughs) He's getting through a lot of defenders at the moment. Yeah, and and put in a pretty good performance against the the Sunwolves the other night. Again, it's a strong opening month from that young fella. Yeah, four four Super Rugby games, he's going to play a lot in the seasons to come. Now, the other game over the weekend, uh, the Rebels and Sharks. This is a red-hot Sharks team. Um, it was up there in Ballarat. Or sorry, down there in Ballarat. I went down with Kaif and Kernsey and, and Gold Rush Country and enjoyed, enjoyed a bit of time in Ballarat. Yeah, before we get into the game, what, what goes on in, in Ballarat? Well, you can go panning for gold. It's the Eureka Stockade that happened there. You know, it's, it's actually the birthplace of Australian democracy. There you go. It is. Uh, yeah, that's where the Eureka Rebellion happened. And, um, you know, that's where the, the gold miners were up against the establishment and, and democracy began in this 
great country. But <laughs> so, <laughs> did you speak about that over at the pub? Did you? Uh, yeah, well, we went to a great little pub too, the Hop Temple. Big shout out to them. That, that was a nice little place to have dinner the night before. But uh, then got to the game on the Saturday. The double header, the, the Super W, was beforehand. The Melbourne Rebels nearly got their first victory ever in Super W over the Brumbies. Um, that was a tight matchup. Was was lovely, and then. Uh, which we might talk about a little bit uh, later, uh, just quickly, because Super W is ongoing. Um, and then the Rebels and Sharks. This Sharks team, uh, two wins on tour, could get a third one against the Reds this weekend. Uh, they look pretty red hot. Yeah, they did. And we we saw against that, like, they tested the Hurricanes the week earlier, didn't quite get the, the business done, but they've got a lot of class and silkiness in that back line. We keep talking about it. I think we'll talk about it for a lot more going forward because when you got a guy like uh, Kerwin Bosch at 10, really solid player that came through the, the Springbok 20 side, as did a guy called Farsi uh, at fullback. And that bloke, one of his first touches, makes a, a set like a half line break, offloads, then a moment later puts the ball on the toe, ends up with Macca's old Mapimpi scoring inside the first 10 minutes, and the, and the Sharks are away. They've got some real X factor about them. Yeah, Mapimpi uh, had the chance to score a hat trick. Um, didn't because he offloaded the ball unselfishly in the end goal to Kerwin Bosch in his 50th game um, to score a try, which is a nice little nice little gesture from Makazoli Mapimpi. Um, the Rebels, they just, I mean, they've been struck down with injury as well. No, the Matt Tamua, no Reese Hodge on the weekend. Oh, no Campbell Magnay. No Campbell Magnay on the weekend. Ruled out the day earlier on the Friday. Yeah, he was ruled out late, so Tom English went in um, to start at 13. But, I mean, they had a crack. The rebels, but they just they they just couldn't match the pace and the blitz defence. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll speak of it. I think the blitz defence and the defence uh, of Australian rugby sides going forward under Matt Taylor shortly. But we saw that, the, and we saw the Springboks last year do it so successfully uh, in the in the World Cup final, but also against New Zealand a couple of times, um, and 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 they really stifled. Um, the Rebels, and and it was Rod Kafer in commentary that was talking about rather than trying to go wide, they've tried to go wide quite a few times, and the only time they did it somewhat successfully was when uh, Michael Wells sent Bosch, I think, flying yeah, big, big uh, with right a massive shoulder. shoulder. Yeah, but but the, the, it, it probably would have been better to have gone the short passes and just try to hit holes because um, they, they, they really didn't get outside the, those Sharks guys. And, and, and when you lose a bloke, the Sharks lost two guys to the sin bin at one yeah. stage and they just – they perfectly milked the clock there as well. A couple of scrum resets. In the end, the, the Rebels only got to cut, play a couple of minutes during well, that. The period. one time they did do, use the little short passes was silky skills from Andrew Deegan, who played well at 10 yeah. uh, in you know in his first um, start there. Uh, silky skills, he, he shifted the ball just short to a, a flying Marika Corabetti and they scored – the uh, their opening try, uh, which was the reply to the Mapimpi try, like it was, it, it was the way to go. But they just they didn't do that the rest of the half of footy. And that probably just comes down to having Naus as well as experience in the inside channels and even in the in the, in the back row. Like um, Ryan Lawrence is new returning to the Rebel side, only played a couple of games now, and then Andrew Deegan in his starting debut. And, and we probably saw that Deegan, yeah, he he was pretty solid. Um, without being spectacular, but yeah. but a good first hit out for him, and and now that helps probably a little bit of depth going forward. That Dave Vessels has a bit more confidence in what Deegan can do. 
Um, but they would love to have Matt Tamor return against the, the Highlanders this weekend. Yeah, and Reese Hodge out of for, for a few weeks. A few weeks, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's a big out. Um, we spoke about the Blitz defence. Um, it would be interesting to get the thoughts of our next guest, uh, who is going to be the Wallabies defensive coach. Let's get a quick chat with Matt Taylor. Well, thanks so much for joining us, uh, Matt Taylor. Uh, it's great to chat to you. Welcome back to Australia. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I've been back probably just over a month now, and it's it's been some exciting times since I've come back. Exciting times. What have what have you exactly been doing, and, and where have you set up camp, Matt? Well, at the moment, uh, I'm based in Brisbane. Um, over the last number of weeks. Most of the weeks I've been travelling from Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday to uh, the, the different super teams and just spending a couple of days with them. Um, so me and Scott Wisemantle, uh, the reason being just to kind of see how they're progressing, what they're doing, work uh, work with them in regards to working out their systems and talk about players. And it's been really exciting um, to just go to these different provinces and, and see how they're operating. You've you've been overseas for what the best part of eight years now. So I mean, is this is it coming back? Are you coming back to a completely blank canvas, or are you you sort of know a little bit about guys that you've sort of seen or read, or are you, what are you operating with here? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. I think as you said, it's it's been a long. I've been away a long time, so it's it's nice to come back and kind of use your own vision to kind of see how players are operating. There's not as many guys uh, still playing Super Rugby here in Australia uh, from when I kind of coached the Reds. Only a, only a, only a few, so it's just good to kind of get a uh, like you said a blank canvas and, and see how they're operating. So we've been uh, watching them train, watching them play, looking at their stats, talking to their coaches, just trying to build up a profile of how these players are operating and you know a little bit about their background and then trying to. Trying to um, build some connections with them, which we'll do a little bit more before we get to connection as well. Yeah, Matt, do you get a, when you get into these camps? I'm sure there's a bit of a "hello, this is who I am" sort of thing. But do you actually get to do any hands-on coaching, or is it very much just really observing, just a few conversations? Yeah, no, at the moment it's just observing. But I think the key thing for us is that. We wanted to build really good connections with all these super coaches. I think that's really important. I mean, they, they've got the players for the majority of time um, before we get them, especially for these tests with the Irish. And it's important for us as coaches, um, especially me and Scott, to kind of get an understanding of uh, the systems they're operating under so that when they come into camp, um, that we have a really good understanding of, of what they've been um, doing in their, in their own systems. Because like anything, you don't want to change too much too soon. Or if anything, if something's operating really well in the super teams, sometimes we might say, well, this is this is a good system, this is a good way of operating, um, let's go with what they're doing here. Matt, from looking from the outside, it was a good weekend for Australian rugby, but but up until now, it hasn't been brilliant results for, for quite a while. So what have you seen and what are your early impressions uh, of, of what's going on across the, the super rugby clubs? Yeah, listen, um, yeah, I, I thought the weekend was a, a good one, particularly for the Bumbies and the Reds, wasn't it? So, um, so that was, that was real positive. And, and listen, I think the competition hopefully will balance itself out a little bit with, uh, a number, a couple more rounds. 
couple of really tough fixtures for some of the teams early on. Um, but I, th- I think there's a lot of good talent coming through and debuting this year. Um, so, yeah, and listen, um, I've been really impressed with uh, what a lot of the teams are doing. And, and sometimes it takes a, a little bit of time for some of the strategies and tactics to kind of really embed and, and you get the benefit benefit off it later on. Are you excited about a lot of the young talent coming through? Uh, we just spoke to a guy like Harry Wilson. We spoke to him on the phone just before in the podcast and, and you know, exciting young player. Guys like Lolaseo, that, that under-20s cohort of players. Yeah, listen, we're, I think we're all really excited with, that, with the group of young players that are coming through and you can see with some of the performances those guys have put in, you can see that they're only going to get better and better. So, no, we are really excited. And uh, like anything, there's certainly a process and a pathway that that will work as coaches to try and keep further their development. But, no, it is really exciting. Um, you know, when, when you've got those quality of players coming through, you hope that down the line that you'll really get the benefit of that and, and win something big with those with those guys. Matt, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Wallabies uh, in coming up in, in a little while. But before that, you're actually going up to, to Scotland shortly, uh, I think, to shadow Dave Rennie. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and what you're actually hoping to achieve uh, up there? Yeah, listen, um, I've been lucky enough probably. I've known Dave for a long time from a number of different environments, but... Um, what he's getting us to do, we, we're going to be travelling up to the Glasgow Warriors, which again, um, you know, it's where, where I've lived for a number of years. But um, both me and Scott, we're going to be kind of shadowing him at the Glasgow Warriors and uh, for the week. Uh, I think they're playing the Ospreys that week, and, and we're just having a look at how he operates with the team and and this and that. I mean, again, I've been lucky enough over the years with Scotland. We used to go for a day each to Glasgow and Edinburgh. And, and see what they did and, and how they operate. So I know Dave pretty well. Um, so it'll be different for Scott, um, but I'm really looking forward to it. The other thing we're doing when we're up there is we're going to attend the uh, France-Island game, the last game of the Six Nations, which at the moment is shaping up to be a, you know, a very important game for probably for both teams. It could be uh, deciding who, who wins the championship. So, so that's really exciting as we play Ireland in the Test Series. So... No, it'll be good. I, my, my wife and uh, daughter still up there as well, so I get a chance to uh, catch up with them as well. Beautiful. Um, we, we've heard in the, the last few years Michael Checker talk about going up uh, and, and watching a couple of these Six Nation matches to get a bit more insight into the opposition that you'll be facing later on. But what do, what do coaches actually say when they're sitting in the stands? Are they just writing notes? Are they really just observing what's going on? How, how, do, how does it unfold? Yeah, a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything you just said there. I think um, what you do get uh, at live games is you kind of get a little bit more of the atmosphere. You kind of see a lot of the off off the ball incidents and things like that. I mean, it was the same. I went to the Reds game on the weekend, and you know you get the TV view, but you, you can see a lot of uh, things how players operate off the ball or how oppositions are setting up, and you can kind of read cues and this and that and. No, it's a really good way. But listen, uh, as well as uh, going to game live, you, you've got to do a lot of work um, with the vision, with all, all the angles later on. So it's a combination of both. But uh, it's all, you can always pick up things live, which which you sometimes can't pick up all the time on, on the TV. 
Matt, what, what did you learn um, going from a, being a provincial coach? Obviously, you, you won that Super Rugby title with the Reds back in 2011 and then, and then coached in Scotland, but then going to an international team like Scotland. Yeah, listen, I, I think um, there's certainly uh, differences between between coach and a provincial side to the international side. I think we all know with a provincial side, you generally have a longer period of time coaching those players and, and embedding certain things. Um, so hopefully when you're coaching the Reds or when I was coaching Glasgow Warriors up there, you can, you can produce change relatively quickly, I believe, or, or quicker than internationally. I think uh, when you're coaching the international side, um, you, you know it's you don't have as much time with them, particularly early on in a in international block. So I think it's just uh, operating and having a clarity on, on how you want to operate, whether it's a game plan, and also how you want to operate from a cultural perspective uh, internationally. You want to be very, uh, you want to have clarity, um, clear clarity on on what you're doing internationally, because you know if players are coming in from different uh, areas or teams and under different systems if, if they don't have the clarity there they can't they can't bring physicality and, and they don't know their role so time is very very precious or coaching time is very precious from the international environment you know it, it, physicality goes up threefold internationally um, you know it's, it's physical you know the set piece you know the breakdown all those type of parts of the game are very important defense uh, and the kicking game Um it is very important internationally. So uh, I've enjoyed coaching both and there's challenges to both. And, um, you know, when you're coaching international rugby, the atmosphere and the environment for you is, you know, the best of the best. So as a coach, it's, you know, the pinnacle, so which which is very exciting. Matt, do we, uh, you, you spoke about pr- time is of the essence there. Um, come July, Dave, Dave Rennie's only going to just be arriving probably from Glasgow. Um, so so yeah. he's not going to have very long to reinvent the wheel. What, what, what kind of changes can you foresee um, having spent time at Scotland and looking at how the Wallabies play? Um, what kind of changes can you see that the Wallabies will, will go through this year? Yeah, well, listen, I, I, think, I think what you su- just suggested is is really important. I mean, um, when, when the boys come into camp, I mean, we'll, we'll particularly me and Scott, um, and Dave's watching from afar, and we talk every week uh, on Skype about players and how they're operating on. And, and as I've suggested there, like, we've tried to work out how each team's operating. So when they come in uh, to camp with us, you know, it will be bringing them simple, clear messages and and getting them to operate in a certain way. And, and it might be further down the track that you make adjustments or, or build things into the programs which you you want to change because if you, you bring them in and say, right, we want to do this, this and this, and, and none of them are doing in, in the provinces that way, then you're not going to have much success. So um, certainly the way Dave likes to play uh, with his teams from his time in the Chiefs and his time from the Glasgow Warriors, which, which I've seen a lot of, um, it's an exciting brand of rugby. It's, he talks about brutality a lot, which is both in the carry and the clean-out and defence. He plays a positive brand of rugby. I think uh, the Australian public will be really excited with how we play rugby. Um, from my point of view, he, he understands the importance of defence, which, which is, again, very important for me as a defence coach because um, your head coach is, is the person who dictates often you know, how much time is spent on defence. So... Uh, he's got a good understanding of the importance of that as well as players as well. So 
I, I think down the track when we've got a, a reasonable amount of time with him, you'll see some really positive attacking rugby and smart rugby. He's very he's very smart with how how his teams operate and taking opportunities and and things like that. And they and they work well. And the other thing which I believe he's done really well with the teams being involved in is the culture. I know the Glasgow players, uh, you know, would certainly do anything for him. And, and the same can be said about the Chiefs and. You know, I've managed to talk to a lot of people over the years and all of them want to play for them. And I think that's important as a coach. So, you know, you'll you'll see a team play for their head coach and he certainly has been able to produce those results with the team he's involved with. You spoke about uh, teams that play a, a, a brand of rugby that the Australian, um, the, the Australian public like. like. Uh, the Reds back in mm-hmm. 2011, they loved... The uh, the public loved watching the Reds back in 2011, and you were the defence coach then. Why did you end up leaving? Was it just opportunity, or was it to gain that overseas experience? Because it's great now to have guys like yourself and Scott Wisemantle and bringing that rugby IQ back to Australia. But but why did you why did you leave? Listen, I'd had uh, three good years with the Reds, and um, you know I've been lucky enough as a coach. I've been as particularly in Australia, probably coached at all levels, right from. Juniors, you know, in, into the um, first 15 level, then early 20s. I was lucky enough when you and Mackenzie came in the Reds, there was an opportunity there to do defence. And then uh, I was very, you know, I played with Gregor Townsend in Scotland and uh, he was getting a job at the Glasgow Warriors and Scotland was also looking for a defensive coach, Andy Robinson. They just um, finished the 2011 World Cup and they were after someone there. So, because we had just won, you know, I'd had a, also a connection with Scotland. I'd gone over and played there as a player. So everything just kind of aligned and the opportunity was there. And you know what? It's, it's been a great experience for me as a coach to, to coach. I think I've been involved in an 87 test with Scotland and about 150 games with Glasgow. And there's different ways to play rugby and different techniques. And I think going over there, certainly my eight years there, I've expanded as a coach in terms of my knowledge and understanding of the game. And, and uh, it's been a great experience. But now I'm really excited to be able to bring some of that knowledge back and work with the young players here and the coaches and and, and get back into super rugby and, and international rugby in this, in this side of the world. So. Matt, I'm going to pump your tyres up a little bit now and just say and tell you that um, having spoken to, to Mike Harris last month, one of your former players at the Reds, he said that you were the, the best defence coach he's played under. Um your, your time up in Scotland and now coming back, the defence ethos that you have, we, we've seen that the Springboks have that blitz defence and that was very successful last year. How can you see defence evolving and, and do you have a particular defence ethos or, or is it an evolving process all the time? Yeah, listen, I think, um, oh, that was really nice, Mike. You were trying to catch Mike. And, uh, so I have to, I'll have to pay him later. But uh, now listen, I, I think, as you said, I think um, for me, yeah, there's a, a lot of the blitz defences kind of coming in, particularly South Africa used it very well. And looks like some of their uh, provincial teams are, are using it now in Super Rugby and, and it's, it, it's, mm. it's been successful. Yeah. Again, I think it comes back internationally. It's like... Um, I haven't really probably coached the kind of out-to-in blitz defence as, as much. And I think, again, it goes back to what your provincial guys are using or, or, um, and how fast you can kind of get them um, adapting to what you want to use. I mean, the things that, you know, I always talk about in, in terms of defence is you've got to have a, a, stand, 
outstanding work rate defensively, and that's things like getting off the ground, getting back in line, your kick chase, all those things, your attitude. I, I like to have an aggressive defence. I think um, you, you're trying to basically force the, the offence to react to you, and, and by being aggressive, you, you're on the front foot and you're making the attack uh, just to you, so that, that's important. And then lastly, I think what is whatever system you have in place, you, you know, you've just got to wreck those systems and and execute it under pressure. Uh, you know, I, I think as a nation we can still improve our line speed and probably being involved in the Northern Hemisphere for a number of years, I think that's something that a lot of teams up there do very, very well. So that's something that we're looking at. Now, and that might be a little bit of a slow burn um, in terms of where we get to or how fast we'll get to it. But I think the really good teams at the moment, the great defensive teams, and you, you've seen some of the influence uh, that uh, Edwards has had with the French team, is that yeah. really high line speed, high collision, forcing uh, errors in the opposition. England did it very well to New Zealand in that semi-final, didn't they? Mm. Um, and that's something which I feel we can, uh, from a defensive point of view, get to or, or, or um, work towards. Um, so that's certainly something. Those three areas, work rate, attitude and systems are very important for me as a defence coach. Yeah, you look at Australian rugby at the moment and, and the Waratahs, the last three years have been their worst defensive records in their history. Um, the Wallabies had conceded a number of points and, and whether or not that's a culmination of how they attack and then therefore they need to defend more or, or whatever it might be. Do you think that the, the defence is... Perhaps well, we all like to talk about Australian rugby, running rugby, Dave Rennie going to bring an attacking brand style, but is the defence actually perhaps the the most, the most biggest work on for, for Australian rugby and the Wallabies going forward? Well, listen, I think that's, uh, we definitely uh, need to improve in that area. Um, and I think, as I've said before, I think the head, the head coach needs to be interested in playing good defence and Dave, Dave says that and knows that. I mean... The whole reason, you know, defence is twofold. Defence is stopping opposition from scoring, but it's also creating opportunities to score from. And being in New Zealand, he, he's big in the, um, you know, the unstructured part of the game and whether it's the kick return or whether the, the turnover attack. And the good defence produces that. And I think players need to understand, you know, there's two parts of the game. And certainly at the moment, there's definitely players that get very excited with the ball and not as excited without the ball. And, that, that's just gaining an understanding and, and part of me as a coach is, is building skill sets but also building mindsets and getting the players to understand that it's very important to defend. And and the other thing is I've got to sell to the players what works and I've got to give them the tools to give them that understanding. And like anything, I think if they have success with it, you engage and, and you build confidence. So that's, that's part of my role to ensure that players have that mindset and that skill set to, to be good defensively. So I'm excited about the opportunity and I think we all know that, you know, generally the team with the best defence, whether it's World Cup, Super Rugby, Champions Cup, Six Nations are generally the best defensive teams. So, mm. uh, it's a really important part of the process for us and, um, yeah, so, yeah, moving forward, that's certainly something we, we need to improve on. Well, Matt, it's um, been fascinating chatting to you, mate, and uh, it's so good to have your rugby IP back in this country and working with the Wallabies soon. Enjoy your time up in Scotland and stay away from the deep-fried Mars bars. <laughs> 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 it's funny, I've never had a of them, so maybe just before I leave I need to have a crack at one of them. But, uh, <laughs> listen, guys, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I've enjoyed the conversation and I uh, look forward to catching up in the future. Thanks Cheers, so much, Matt. mate.
Yeah, that was a really great chat with uh, Matt Taylor just then, insightful. And, and anyone who doesn't know who he is and, and listens to that chat, surely, Christy, they are feeling pretty confident about what's what's to come. I think so. We've seen for a few years now, we've all asked questions, what's happening with the Australian defence, particularly when they come up against sides like New Zealand. And we can, it was only a few years ago that New Zealand what, raked up about 40 points inside 40 mm-hmm. minutes at, at the uh, Olympic Stadium and, and there was questions being asked, what the heck is going on? This is a guy that ha- has such um, detailed analysis and, and and really informs his players exactly what he wants, that it's going to be an exciting period going forward having a bloke that's spent a lot of time overseas coaching and learnt how it operates overseas, but has also had a Super Rugby title under his belt already with the Reds. So it's a great move and you look at it from having him, Scott Wiseman, to – uh, super impressive uh, assistant coaches and much, no disrespect to the assistant coaches just gone past, mm. much more credentialed, experienced operators too. Uh, okay, well, looking forward to seeing how that uh, unfolds for Matt Taylor. We'll try and get him on later in the year as well and, and have a chat yeah. to see what it's, how he's learned, maybe even just before um, Wallaby season. But uh, this week, Melbourne Rebels over across the ditch in Dunedin, tough one for them to back up again, again, you know, with injuries on the board and, and that sort of thing against the Highlanders. Yeah, isn't it? It's... Uh it doesn't. It looks ominous, I think, for for the rebels uh, this weekend under the roof. You always think that maybe that helps everyone out because you can play an attacking style of rugby. But when you're missing a few guys that are test players, um, the whole four pack is really going to have to aim up, and they're going to probably have to beat the Highlanders in that set piece to have any opportunity whatsoever. That's Friday, Arvos. Friday night, Tars hosting the Lions at Bankwest Stadium. One of the doubleheader, the Super W's also on that night, but um, the Tars back from the bye. Can they think, break their duck? Yeah, can they break? Can they get off the, the zero? Well, we, we, the Lions aren't the side that they were over the last few years, but they're still a pretty good team and they've got one of the most experienced and leading point scorers in the history of Super Rugby at fly half in Elton Yantes. He's, he's a good player. They've got Manish Skoman. They've got a couple of real... Very good, niggly kind of players. Pretty good set piece. Yanni uh, Duplessis, uh, yeah. the thirty-seven-year-old doctor, uh, that will be what, packing down opposite um, well, Harry Johnson Holmes. So um, they've they've just got to do the basics right. We've seen offloads just pushed unnecessarily. Uh, the scrum has been really inconsistent. If they do those sorts of things right, they give themselves a chance, but. I think tough one. Tough one. I wonder. I wonder, and it'll be interesting to see how the week unfolds for them. Whether Will Harrison will be named at ten this week. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Uh, then on Saturday, Canes uh, host the Sunwolves, and then the Reds and Sharks. So two teams that won on the weekend with pretty electrifying styles of rugby. It's going to be an entertaining one on Saturday night. Can the Reds back it up? We've seen them just put 60, their highest score ever in Super Rugby history, but can they can they defensively shut down the Sharks' as attacking weapons at 10? Andre Esterhausen at 12. Yeah. The Kanye Am at 13. And then the, we've already spoken about the, the pace out wide. 
that's the key, defensively matching up, I think. And uh, the scrum battle is, is another one that the Reds, they've got to use that as a strength. They've got to roll, use their rolling more, be uh, really clinical in those couple of areas. But I think the Reds can do this one. Stormers and Blues and Bulls Hugwaras, the other Super Rugby games all across the weekend. Catch it all on Fox Sports now. Breaking news from Rugby Australia. This happened literally as we're recording right now. Um, the Rugby Australia board have appointed... Paul McLean. Paul McLean as the new yeah. chairman. Yeah. Uh, now, that's massive news. Paul McLean, a rugby man, first and foremost. Yeah, rugby man, and, and that brings a bit of integrity back there and, and it's something, getting more people with rugby intellect at the higher positions is something that has been spoken about as important. Um on an international scale that you've got a, a former Wallaby going in there with some nous uh, that knows what he's talking about, a reputation. Uh, let's just hope that it, it works because Australian rugby needs um, from a board level to, to bring some respect and integrity back to the game. But uh, a good appointment probably. Uh, they'd been searching for a little while for that. So he's hoping. He's an astute businessman and he's also a former brethren, former brothers player as well. There you go. So <laughs> the legend. So we've spoken to two – well, we haven't spoken to two of them, but we've spoken about two – Brethren this week. How the good is that? Uh, the, my final thought that I'm going to leave everyone with, uh, Eddie Jones, they've, they've just beaten Ireland, uh, Six Nations, they were clinical 24-12. I think they, they won over the Irish at Twickenham. Uh, we could have declared at half time. Uh, Eddie Jones said after after the loves match. his cricket, loves his cricket. His analogies there, but but uh, he copped a fair bit. You had guys asking him about his future uh, with England rugby going forward. Uh, well, it's fair to say that they delivered uh, that uh, over, over the weekend. Yeah, what a weekend um, it was in rugby circles. Plenty to come as well on Fox Sports. I'm going to go and have a beer at the Hop Temple now. See you later. <laughs>